Uh, welcome to Anarchists and Androids. I'm Parenthesis I, and I'm joined with... Logar the Barbarian. And today we'll talk about Mandalorian, the Disney Plus show that has saved the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> <laughs> the movies, yeah. And uh, particularly, we're uh, going to be talking about the first two episodes of season three, but uh, we've never talked about the first two seasons, so we'll be talking about that as well. I I feel that so I, I when I watch something I'm always uh, drawn to I, I think if you've listened you know what I'm what I'm drawn to if you listen to anarchists and androids I'm always looking for certain things um, uh, politically socially driven type things in these shows unfortunately today I'm I might lean more on like just geeking out as a fan as a kid who's just excited like if play with his action figures <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen memes of like John Favreau and Dave Filoni, and they say it's little kids, you know. And then they say this is John Favreau and David Filoni writing this story for Mandalorian, and they're just playing with little Star Wars action figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's happening. That's that's exactly what's happening. I'm okay yeah. with that because I was doing the same thing growing up. Oh, definitely, and definitely, I'd say like the Mandalorian is like more of a sequel to uh, Return of the Jedi, uh, more fitting than the sequel trilogy of the movies. Well. Mandalorian's interesting because it took it, it took a new direction to Star Wars in some ways. We left behind the whole um Skywalker saga and their family, but we do have a similar type of familial um what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, is it an aristocracy? Uh, well, <laughs> that's with royalty. Now this is more like chosen family or adopted family. Well, well, royalty, sure. We were talking about like Luke and Leia being heir to the Force through Vader, and oh, we have yeah. Bo-Katan in the third season now, who has some kind of familial lineage. I'm noticing this. This is one thing recently that I'm noticing that there's a lot of this, like you're born into power type of things and your stations in life going on. From Andor, we saw it happening with Mon Mothma. Bo-Katan here. Just something that popped up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I have heard people yeah, describe Star Wars as being very dynastic <laughs> with mm -hmm. these dynasties. Because also, the, keep in mind, this Palpatine and then Rey is like his grandchild or something like that. Yeah, so Star Wars has that dynastic. I like that. It's better than my aristocracy. This dynasties of Star Wars in it. Now, I think that the interesting thing to contrast that with is Din Djarin, I believe, is the Mandalorian's actual name, correct? Yeah, played by Pedro Pascal that we know and love from The Last of Us as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just a Pedro Pascal fan all around. Everything I've seen him pop up on, he's pretty He's pretty good. He played the bad guy in Wonder Woman and everything else, or oh, Wonder Woman 84. Man. Was it 84 or 85? I can't remember exactly. Oh, I think 84, yeah. It's 84, yeah. Wonder Woman 84, he played the bad guy. He's been popping up more. I like him. He's great as the Mandalorian. Now, we have the dynastic thing we talked about, but he's an orphan, and we see that the Mandalorians have a tendency to take in orphans as part of their their religion, group, organization. Oh, yeah. So, well, I have a few notes here, but one thing I wanted to say well, regarding the Mandalorians is that the Mandalorians are a diaspora. You know, that's uh, when a, a population like leaves like their home place that they're from and go off to other places. And that's all the Mandalorians are a diaspora because the, this planet of Mandalore was d 
destroyed by the empire. And what's interesting with that too, is like with Mandalore, the planet, that's an example of the empire destroying a planet without using the Death Star, just using good old fashioned nuclear weapons. (laughs) (laughs) They've leveled it out. And, and, And this so far in the first couple episodes, that seems to be the focus of this season. We didn't go as much into, I don't feel, in the first two seasons seemed to be more focused on finding a Jedi and and taking care of Grogu and uh, the baby Yoda. He's left. In Boba Fett, we saw that he went and he trained with Luke Skywalker, and then he came back to the Mandalorian, Din Djarin, and now we're picking back up. Baby Yoda seems to have changed and evolved between the first two seasons and this as he seems to be a little bit more capable now. He studied he studied the force and learned a bit from Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, oh definitely. Yeah. And what's interesting, I'm, I'm also watching the Bad Batch. You know, it has yes. the little kid Omega, and Omega has also learned and grown some since the season two. <laughs> so they're all getting older. And then of course, yeah, uh Pedro Pascal's other foundling, uh, Ellie from The Last of Us, has also gotten more. Let's go as time goes on. So all these little guys are getting older. And Luke so Skywalker, cute. we saw him from just a, a, a lonely teenage kid on the farm, and now we've seen his his entire life play out. We've seen him from birth to death on screen, oh, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, birth to death and ghost. You know, that's always the next stage yeah, of life in Star Wars. Is you that, get a you ghost. ghost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even Leia got a Force Ghost. I mean, she had no training whatsoever. But I, like, oh, what the I hell? Give her a Force Ghost. She did have training, though. <laughs> I think is what was implied in some of the newer films is that Leia what had been trained oh, yeah. under Luke, uh, and they showed like a young Luke and Leia uh, doing some of that. So I think Leia has had probably some extensive Force training that we didn't get to see on film. I don't know how much I want to see them try to recreate mm-hmm. that with Carrie Fisher gone. You know, her daughter. Her daughter looks oh, a significant yeah. amount like her. I think with the right makeup could almost pull off her mother identically. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do a lot of the CGI stuff too. Well, you know. they got yeah. the new Indiana Jones coming up and they got Harrison Ford looking like he's 40 years old again. Yeah. That, that's kind of unnerving. We can do that to Luke yeah. Skywalker and to Obi-Wan. We can do it to the Vault. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure yeah. you can do that. You can make Carrie Fisher's daughter look exactly like her mother at the CGI. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, because yeah, they, so they did show uh, Luke Skywalker in the, the last episode of season two of The Mandalorian. And that was like the big reveal is when Luke Skywalker came and took Grogu away. And, and then Din Djarin like took his helmet off, you know, and he was really sad and stuff. Maybe he was crying. But like that probably got him kicked out of his religion. You know, he loves like that cult, you know, children of the watch. It's so dear to him. But like everybody else is like, that's a bunch of crazy fanatics. What are you doing with those people? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was the children of the watch, kind of like the the, uh, the the MAGA or something of Mandalore. Is that what I'm getting? Like there, there seems to be some upset, like Bo-Katan seems upset that they have, that they were not aligned with the others, that there was infighting before the Empire wiped it yeah. out. How long ago did the Empire level Mandalore oh. compared to what we're watching this? Is, do we know this? Is there an answer on the internet? Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, the internet knows everything, yes. <laughs> but but I think it's all like in the Clone Wars animated series that goes into all this different stuff about Mandalore and the different Mandalorian factions. But my understanding is like there's many different factions in the Mandalorian and the, they even had a pacifist government for a while. 
But the group that uh, Bo-Katan's a part of, Death Watch, was like a terrorist faction that fought the pacifist government. And then, so that's like at least two factions right there. I think Bo-Katan was like head of state for a while, and then Bo-Katan's sister was, and Bo-Katan's father was. <laughs> so that's the whole dynastic thing with them. But like children of the watch, they're like the real like obscure orthodox people that never take their helmets off. Yeah, they they seem to hold on to the old ways, more religion, far more religious, fanatic, and far more dedicated to some of the traditions of uh, that. I think traditions would be a good way to put it that were coming from their home world, Mandalore. Now, Mando or Din Djarin, our main character here has never been to Mandalore. Like they talk about the soup. Oh, every Mandalorian, you know, was raised on it. What did they call it again? Pog soup or something like that? Oh, Is yeah. Part in this recent episode. And, and I was thinking, you know, because like uh, Disney has like a Star Wars theme thing in uh, Disney World. And I was thinking that, that soup would be a good thing for them to sell at the Star Wars attraction there. It's just cans of Campbell's alphabet spaghetti. Oh, yeah, soup. yeah. But then you have to like, <laughs> have it be like 10 times the price and stuff, right? <laughs> With like blue, like blue food. Oh, yeah. In it. <laughs> yeah. It's actually Save a Lot brand, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they did show in this most recent episode, uh, like how, like, I think Din Djarin grew up in this one moon close to Mandalore, and then Bo Katan lived in this other, like, planet in the solar system of Mandalore. So he was he was uh, he was brought in. I'm I'm wondering how many Mandalorians were just adopted and brought into the oh. ways and were not born in. So it's it's a culture, it's a religion. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that pops into my mind, like as a parallel, like that that you might be able to say, like we have religions that intersect with culture and stuff like that. Look at Judaism and things like that. Kind of pops into my mind. And talk about diaspora and people not, you know, being spewn about throughout the land and whatnot. There's probably the closest thing I can think of in our history that reminds me of what they're kind of creating in this fictional world. You think I'm out there for saying that? Oh, well, so it's interesting to compare like the Jedi and the children of the watch because they're both religions in Star Wars. But the Jedi, uh, before the Empire like made them forbidden, uh, was a state-sponsored religion. So it's kind of like the Catholic Church or like Theravada Buddhism in some parts of India in the past. But then uh, Children of the Watch, they were always kind of like a persecuted, weird sect. So the, they were kind of more like uh, Christianity before it became a state religion in Rome, you know, before it, it used to be illegal. And they kind of kind of have some sort of maybe like Amish vibe going on there and that they're holding clinging to some kind of like, again, the traditions that a lot of folks don't just just there's no reason to hold on to those traditions. Yeah, say. but it's like Amish, but they do space travel. <laughs> yeah, space Amish. It's the yeah, space yeah. Amish. The Mandalorians <laughs> are space Amish. The children of the watch are the space Amish. <laughs> <Is that works>? yeah. <laughs> no. So. The Children of the Watch, I'm assuming, left Mandalore long before it was leveled out. And were they, so my question is like with the the conflict, are they sort of like refugees in that conflict? Or are we looking at like Puritans coming to the United States back when the Mayflower type thing? Like, like what's the situation here? You know what I'm saying? Oh, actually, and I was reading some of that before we started talking here. So they had something they called the Great Purge of Mandalore. And I guess it was all like 
shown in the Clone Wars animated series. So <laughs> I guess, yeah, so many things go back to the Clone Wars. I guess it's worthwhile to watch it all, even though it is eight seasons. So it is <laughs> a big time investment. Yeah, I haven't watched them all. And maybe as the more as we watch these, the more I'm going to have to start going back and checking out individual episodes. It's a lot to watch. I, I I feel like I've watched a lot of Clone Wars, but I'll bet you if you go and look back at what I've actually seen, it's barely, yeah. barely scratches the surface of eight seasons of it. Yeah, and I haven't watched any of it. So, yeah, it's I'm just going off of like reading things and YouTube videos about all the stuff that we missed. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. Like the first time I really tried to start watching, Clone, I think there was there was some of that stuff on a streaming service before Disney Plus popped up, and I watched a few on something. I can't remember what it was at this point. It might have been Netflix or something. But when it came to Disney Plus, I was I was okay. I'm going to start watching these, and I realized real quick they don't come. They didn't come out in a specific like sequential order or anything like that. They're kind of all over the place. The stories that are told are like broke up between you know is episodic and everything else and there's different suggested orders to watch them in and, and all that i am not i don't have the time <laughs> yeah. to watch them. <laughs> you need to like read a guidebook before you even start watching the series <laughs> yeah i get it though like 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 how many series like i grew up watching the doctor who series right and and i have seen Every Doctor Who episode that is possible to see that isn't missing, plus the reconstructions of the missing episodes, because a lot of the Doctor Who episodes are missing to time, but people reconstructed them with audio. Uh, so as much as possible to see, I've seen, but it took me decades to see that much. Catching up with something is <laughs> not the quickest thing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's a, that's a, that's a ramble. Uh, I like this. What they've done with Mandalorian is uh, it harkens back to what's what was Lone Wolf and Cub type thing. Oh. Those old movies. Have you seen any of those old Lone Wolf and Cub films? No, but like when I was a kid, I played the Lone Wolf RPG game that came out of England. <laughs> oh, did you? I have not played the Lone Wolf. But that's a completely <laughs> different thing from Star Wars and Mandalorian. I well, I think that they, I don't know if they were comic books first or what, but I do know that there was like a series of, of, of films that came out throughout the 70s, and I've only seen a few of them that are neat. Now, it it, it, it seems to pull from Westerns. I'm, I'm going to do something here. <laughs> original Star Trek, they are Star Trek, original Star Wars, I remember back in the day, a lot of talk about it being more of a swashbuckler type of genre swashbuckler in space kind of thing um and and that's what this kind of does as a series is you're kind of taking the the western and things like lone wolf and club these traditional like stories only you're setting them in this sci-fi world so the complexity of the stories with mandalorian isn't as nearly as complex as the politics we see in andor which is a nice relief but as a simplistic Western weekly adventure, I think it works for Star Wars, and it's probably about as complex as it needs to be. <laughs> yeah, and way, yeah, it's interesting because you have all these different Mandalorian factions, but then you also have like different splinter factions from the remnants of the Empire too. And Moth Gideon, he's in charge of one of them, and I guess Grand Admiral Thrawn is in charge of another one, and you're, we'll be meeting him at some point. <laughs> Yes, are we going to see Grand? Like I've been heard rumors that we'll eventually see a Grand Admiral Thrawn within this Star Wars universe. We're getting. I'm excited to see something like that. 
at this point, though, everything I'm hearing is like movies are getting canceled left and right. Disney say mm-hmm. they're going to they're starting to say things like they're going to focus on less or on quality, quality over quantity type of things are getting. So how much are we going to get? What are we going to get? Uh-huh. I think a lot of people are reevaluating what they're cranking out at the, yeah. <laughs> at the top. I think, so like in, I think the beginning of April this year, there's going to be this big convention called Star Wars Celebration. And so that's going to be in England this year in London, England. And I think in that uh, conference convention, they're going to announce new Star Wars stuff. I hope we get some kind of cool trailer or something oh, yeah. with that. <laughs> now, I, I, I'm i a big fan of Baby Yoda. Oh, yeah. Grogu. <laughs> Grogu? That's Mr. Grogu for you. <laughs> it's, I'm a big fan of Mr. Grogu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like saved the franchise, you know, <laughs> because like they're going to get as much money out of that guy as they can. Well, I, I was Mandalorian kind of came out that right there when Disney Plus dropped. It came out and was it 2019? Was that 2019 that it first came oh, out? Oh, yeah. And it was, it was right before the pandemic hit. It was it 2020, 2019, oh, 2020. I can't in fact, remember. Maybe it caused the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> I think Disney, exactly. Yeah. It wasn't 5G, it was Disney Plus. Yeah. That's why we got COVID. <laughs> but i remember yeah mandalorian season one episode one was like the big highlight for disney plus when they released it yeah i was thrilled i was actually the night that it came out i had taken my son to cleveland to see a concert we went to go see logic with ybn corday he was really into logic at the time ybn corday so we went up there for a, a concert and that night i was sitting there trying to get a connection inside the air we rented a little airbnb a little uh place in some someone's attic out there in cleveland pretty close to the show and i'm trying to get in and, and, and finally I, I had all kinds of problems registering it was giving me issues eventually i got in and watched that first episode knowing nothing about it and i'm sad for people that didn't get the chance to watch this and discover that baby yoda before it became plastered all over the internet because the first time i saw him that little face I was like oh my goodness what is this this is amazing yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, it was a shocker that's become like everywhere. It's genius in a way because it kind of harkens back to Yoda without really being about Yoda at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. just the same race. Yeah, and I think that's uh, like it gives us some fresh blood. I know a lot of people don't like the cuteness factor. I'm gonna put this in Star Wars has always been very dependent on that child friendly cuteness factor as a major part of the series and show. Go back to the original Star Wars movie. Oh, Jawas. The original cutie. Well, we got Jawas and we got the original the original good guy cutie. Big icon is R2-D2. Oh, yeah. R2-D2 was the OG cutie and C-3PO was definitely the, the, the more of the comic relief slapstick type thing that he is as his partner companion. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, episode three, we have Ewoks. Yeah, some more cute. These ones you could probably pet. I don't think you could pet R2 as well. You could pet him, but it wouldn't be as good as petting an Ewok. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Ewoks have the fur instead of like metal. And I remember the discussion then when that movie came out. People complaining about the cute Ewoks and being for children and stuff like that. Just like I've heard recent things said about the baby Yoda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So the cuteness factor is a thing that's innately in Star Wars all along all of this. Well, yeah, <laughs> cuteness and slavery as well. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of slavery in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, there is. Uh, I guess that does kind of reflect 
the reality of human history in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, unfortunately. I'm curious as to where this new season is going and what, because prior to this, in the films, we focused on this storyline that is the Skywalker lineage, essentially. Mandalorian seems like it's really the first place to truly break out of that story. We're still finding it's crossing in. We've seen Luke come in. We've seen a show. Uh, is it Ashoka? That's yeah, Ashoka. Yeah, Ashoka, not Ashoka. Ashoka. You know, we, so we're seeing some tie, but it seems to be predominantly telling their own section, uh, its own section of the universe, and world building and expanding a lot of that lore. Whereas before, like you said, we got a lot of Jedi lore and stuff like that we're finally getting some serious like mandalorian lore in here and a lot of that stuff built up and brought into the live action world yeah well one thing i've heard uh, a theory is that like they call this like the mandoverse for for like all these like shows that come out around the mandalorian and one theory is that like they're going to try to like fill in the blanks that were left with the sequel trilogy of the movies and in particular about the whole thing palpatine returning like how did that happen oh. and so like they're going to go into all the stuff about clones and cloning and all that and so like they talk about the clone stuff of course with bad batch since they're clones but then also the imperial remnants were trying to get grogu so he has a special midichlorian blood you know which would be good for cloning for cloning palpatine somebody that has force sensitivity and not only that, but Boba Fett, now that, like, if you look at what they did with Boba Fett as a child in the prequels, also a clone, and, you know, the other series, I, I've called the Boba Fett series Mandalorian 2.5 or something. Oh, yeah, yeah because <laughs> if you, like, only watch Mandalorian season two and season three, you'd be confused, like, why is Grogu back? <laughs> then we have a big goodbye, that why is he back? <laughs> Yeah, that 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 Boba Fett series is a little important to check out to con follow the storyline. I think to understand what happened to Grogu, why Grogu left and came back at least. Book of Boba Fett, there was a, an option given to Grogu. He could either have the lightsaber for the Jedi or the uh, what is it called? The Beskar, the Beskar armor, armor <laughs> given to him from. From uh, Mandalorian, from Mando, and uh, he chooses the armor and the way of the the Mandalorian as opposed to the way of the Jedi. So he's force sensitive, force trained. He uses the force, but he's being raised as a Mandalorian. Now, I think I try to give him a little baby Yoda helmet. Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting when you think about it that way, like. Basically, at a very young age, Grogu has had these people trying to get him to convert to their religion. <laughs> either the Jedi religion or the children of the watch. But either way, they're shoving religion down his little throat. He's going to he's gonna break away and start his own uh, Star Wars universe Unitarian church. That'll be yeah. like, it'll be hybrid Jedi Mandalorian. Uh, or maybe he'd be like a real cynical atheist. Like you can cut to it like in the future and stuff. He's a grown adult and he's like chain smoking. He's like, oh, there's no God. It's all bullshit. Well, <laughs> well, but there's, I don't see any gods in these religions. They may be religions, but I haven't heard mentioned to the higher power outside of the force itself. Yeah. So are these atheistic religions? Ah, or maybe they're kind of like Eastern religions mm. where they 
yeah. have like chi and stuff. That would make that would make a little that would make a little bit more sense. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. So there's an entire first two seasons that I don't even know where to begin with to discuss. <laughs> there's so much to have in there. I feel like I guess I'm going to say that what what I think that as a fan, as somebody who's loved this stuff since I was a little kid and raised on these things, like like this is what I was, you know, the action figures that I would pick up, the comic books, Star Wars stuff, tons of it since I was a very young, impressionable child. So it's no shocker that I'm like, oh, yeah, I like that. I've got that nostalgia. I want to watch more Star Wars. You know, I was kind of raised and conditioned to as a young boy in the United States of America to enjoy yeah. those things. <laughs> uh, do you remember seeing any of the original trilogy movies in the theater? Yeah, 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 I do. Oh, yeah. I do. Oh, me too. <laughs> I saw the Return of the Jedi in the theater with my parents. I definitely, yeah. I saw, I saw, I saw the, I saw at least the last two. My father tells me he took me to see the original, but I cannot remember it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He said it ran for a while, but I don't remember that. It may or may be, you know, memories can be what they are. The reason I brought that up is because I'm looking at all these different movies that came out over the years. We got the prequels in the end of the at 99 or was it 98 or 99 episode one came out. And we got a couple for a few years there. I was not thrilled with what we got in the prequels. I could I could go on for the rest of my life. I could, I could go on a huge rant of how I would have done the prequels and what I would have done differently. I try not to talk negative about things, but I'm really not happy with what happened in the prequels. <laughs> but I, I do like a lot of the Disney era Star Wars, and I feel that Mandalorian specifically and now Andor is kind of the crux of the best stuff of Star Wars just in general. I like the approach of doing Star Wars as a TV series. You still get the episodic format, the episode one, episode two, but you get it more frequently. Not everything has to be a two and a half hour. Every episode has to be a two and a, two hour, two and a half hour type thing, you know? Yeah. I, I'm a fan of this. And the approach of taking the episodic from like, we had the original uh, episode four, five, and six, but here we're telling these stories from the very beginning. So as the seasons come out, they're still numbering these episodically. We're on episode 18 at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. And how many total we get? We get eight per season. Is that correct? Let's see. Oh, look that up here for the Mandalorian. So it's, oh, yeah, it's going to be eight. And so the last episode is coming out April 19th. So we got a little bit more time. But yeah, it's interesting. Like, because a lot of times, yeah, with these uh, TV series, right, like uh, you get more time, so you get more time to flesh out a elaborate story. But then in cases like the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, I think that would have been better as a movie. Yeah. Like the kind of story they were trying to tell. Sometimes, like, so I've said this for a while. When I was, uh, it seems like the BBC was the first I noticed were doing shorter series, like, like ten, 8 to 12 episode series over the bbc until streaming hit and then netflix and other places started taking that model and now we see that model of a shorter tv series season is kind of becoming a norm as opposed to where like back in the day everything that was on tv had to have 24 30 episodes a season after a while it got to feel like a lot of the content and episodes were filler you know what i'm saying oh, <laughs> it's like yeah oh wow there's this that's kind of a filler episode Taking the appropriate amount of time and not not having to crank out extra episodes, like 24 episodes, you're able to take more of the important condensed stuff. And then some stories may not need eight hours to be told. 
<laughs> I feel that the Obi-Wan one may have been one of those. Yeah, it seems like they had some unnecessary filler in there. Especially like some stupid things like I remember trying to escape from an Imperial facility with little Leia under a trench coat. Oh, <laughs> yeah. There were scenes in uh, that in the Obi-Wan that I, ex- I that I appreciated just because it looked neat on screen seeing Obi-Wan fight Vader. Right. I, oh, yeah, like definitely. it's just, like, oh, I like to look at this. This is what I wanted to see. That was essentially the entire last episode of the Book of Boba Fett, where we got to see all these things we love, like Rancors and everything else tearing up a city. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting to see all these things you wanted to see as a little as a little child playing with your old Kenner action figures. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Now, one thing I wanted to say here with Mandalorian, right, is that uh so Din Djarin, you know, the main character, like he could become like the leader of that one faction called Death Watch because he has the magic sword, you know, the, the dark saber, right? Yeah. Uh, and but he Din Djarin has no interest whatsoever in becoming the leader. But instead, he's like struggling really hard to still stay in or to get back into that one cult, the Children of the Watch. And I just I find it so fascinating. It's like. For one, he really wants to be a part of this cult and they don't want him in it. And most people have never even heard of it. And he's willing to risk his life for it. But here he can be a leader of this other faction, but he doesn't care about that at all. He, he just carries the lightsaber because he doesn't know what else to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, though, that when when it, so when he gets it, he he wins it in battle from, um oh, 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 what's his name? Oh, Moff Gideon. Yeah, from Moff Gideon. So he wins it in from battle for Moth Gideon. Then it's said that you have to win it in battle for it to have power so Bo-Katan can't take it. It's the story behind it, the narrative that you have conquered that where the power lies. It's kind of like they talk about the concept of hegemony, the stories there, the power behind the story, the power behind the narrative is the ideas that we attach to it more so than anything else. <laughs> yeah, you said that about money. Yep, exactly. Like money too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Do you have anything else we need to touch on or oh. add to with this episode before we wrap up on Mandalorian? Oh, well, uh, no. Just that at the very end of this most recent episode, they show a mythosaur <laughs> that uh, is kind of like a dinosaur thing that Mandalorians have myth- uh, in mythologically rode these creatures and i think they show uh bubba fett riding a mythosaur when you first see him on the star wars holiday special yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that cartoon was pretty cool when it came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well that's about all we have for today would you like to tell the folks where they can find you on the internet well yeah i'm uh, parenthesis i dot blogspot.com for some of my writings and then i'm at parenthesis i and mastodon you can find me on the daily podcast, Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. And as always, everyone has their own rebellion. <laughs>